This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into the ATL Day Ones podcast with Jarvis and Tanitra. It is hump day Wednesday, and we are in this thing ready to roll. First of all, I want to say thank you for making ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and T your first listener today. And remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast and wherever you download your podcast. Give us a five-star review. For those who are listening on the podcast, the audio platforms, I got my fist up. Give us a five-star review or else. I'm making threats today. That's just how I'm feeling, T. But, you know, we got some we got some good stuff on board. We're going to start off with, did Matt Olsen solidify himself as an Atlanta Brave? Mm. And and as we continue our NFC South preview, we got the Saints today and the black and gold. Can Jameis Winston get it done? Just as simple as that. And uh, last but not least, in for the culture, the Atlanta Hawks have been busy making moves and making trades and everything, but there was one particular trade that they may come out on the other side shining like gold. But before we get into all that, T, the Atlanta Braves got it done last night. They flipped the script. They go for beat the, uh, the New York Mets 4-1. to one. Like they, The New York Mets beat them the previous game, so we're tied 1-1 in the series. And one of the things that I thought that just stood out to me is Spencer Strider just doing it again, and but he just can't seem to get that run support like he needs. So Tyler Max end up getting the win, but you know, but good, the 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 best news is that like it looked like the stars started to shine, and somebody was listening to the show last <laughs> night. So hey, you know, like I said, we don't like to take credit, but we don't take credit for that one, T. Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll take a little credit for just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Able to do. But I want to just co-sign on Spencer Strider because, and I know we'll talk about him later. But yeah, Spencer Strider and really that bullpen as well. Just giving a shout out to Tyler Matzik who continues to shine in his return from the. Colin McHugh too. Yes. Yeah. Smooth Colin operator. Smooth operator. Yeah, he's been like the surprise because, like you said, low key, we really don't talk about him very much. So you got to give him mm-hmm. credit. And of course, AJ Mentor for having a perfect ninth inning to just shut things down completely. So shout out to the A team for getting it done and helping to even bail Spencer out a little bit there. But yeah, Matt Olson, I mean, when you talk about a moment, I believe that was the moment for Matt Olson as a Brave because you go through four innings and it's this uh, pitcher's duel. Strider versus Peterson, and it's looking like, okay, who's going to strike first? And it happened to be, for the Braves at least, Matt Olson. And we were just talking about this. Great that you're, you know, just yesterday. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's awesome. But this is a team that's built on power based on home runs. They do the long ball. And it, so it's mm-hmm. only right for him to finally say it with authority at the perfect time in that fifth inning last night. And you got the Braves hitting 136 home runs, just 10 less than the Yankees. So to see him finally join the home run party was critical. But yeah, I agree with you. I think that he literally solidified his place. He understood the assignment against the heated rivalry of, of the heated rival rather in the Mets and now has put this team in position to get themselves potentially a series win and also to just be a half game back in the division. 
It's definitely a half game in back end. And one thing that stood out to me last night was a little kerfuffle that Ronald Acuna well, – I had to say that really slow so I don't mess up. Um, Ronald Acuna had out in the outfield last night. We'll talk about whether or not that's con concerning or where you should be concerned about that. But before we get there, T, tell the folks about Bet Online and what they got going on at BetOnline.net. Yeah, betonline.net, that should be your number one source for all your betting needs, all your sports info. You can find out all the latest sports developments, league reviews, news, including Major League Baseball. Maybe you want to bet on who is going to win the NL East when it's all said and done. Or maybe you want to bet on the NBA because, hey, the fact is, some you can get some good insight off the betting lines for wherever Donovan Mitchell will land. Right now, it looks like they're about 11 teams that are vying for him but hey maybe you can get some more info about it and make a wise choice on that and of course any over-unders on any of your favorite teams bet online is where you can get all that info for sports wagering live betting esports because that's a thing that's a thing now and scores so it remains your best spot for all your scores even podcasts on it i think that's interesting as well that they have some really cool podcasts to give you some insight if you are new to betting so fast way easy way to check on all of this information even niche sports like mma boxing golf so head to the website today you can use any connected device that you have to learn more about trends in action and of course for us as sportscaster that's a critical part for us to just watch and find the trend. So bet online, that's where you should start. Betonline.net. Betonline.net is the place to be. Now, we talked about, you know, obviously Ronald Cunha coming off an injury and yeah. we can see there have been moments throughout this season, T, that he's kind of pulled up on a ball that he probably mm -hmm. normally would have dove for or he kind of let a ball land in front of him like or like last night. He had yeah. the ball kind of, kind of misplayed it, kind of didn't judge it quite um, right, and then the ball was able to get past him. Mm -hmm. And obviously uh, um, Lindor was able to, you know, get to third base, you know, and yeah. get a triple. So I think that's – I don't know about you, but I think that's something that Acuna just going to have to play through. I'm not too concerned, yeah. Yeah. but I, I think it's just a matter of him kind of playing through it in his head or getting through mm -hmm. it in his head. Yeah, And, you know, I think it's a more of a mental thing than a physical thing. So I don't think there should be that much concern when it comes to these little defensive letdowns um, from time to time. Yeah, I would go on the air on the side of little concern as well and not a major concern because, again, you look at last week where he dove for a ball and it's like, yeah, you kind of didn't have to do that. But then again, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to be aggressive with just about everything he does. But then there have been moments, too, that have been questionable in these last couple of weeks where he's been a little timid. And that's kind of not like him. So the timidity on one hand, but then sometimes the over-aggressiveness on the other, I, I, I agree with you. I believe that probably speaks more to a mental piece there than anything. And last night, yes, got away with making a, a bad decision because, again, like you said, uh, Lindor was able to get two extra bases out of it. But thankfully, it didn't cost the Braves any runs. But again, you got to remember that you've got good infielders around you. So take advantage of the fact that you've got good teammates around you to be able to pick up the slack when maybe you can't get there. Or also, you got to remember as well, while I'm a little bit concerned about that, I agree that it's not maybe physical, it's maybe more mental because he still has 17 stolen bases. So that yeah. to me tells me that the physical is the speed probably, is there, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the speed is still there, so he's good to go as far as his legs are going for him. 
And like we talked about last night, he's entering the home run derby. Most people are excited about that. And the fact of the matter is the only thing you don't want him to do is have a drop off after the derby. But I think that speaks positively about the fact that he believes that his physical is ready for something even on that scale. No doubt about it. And one another guy who is physical, physically imposing and, and on the mound and we throwing all the guys. We talked about Spencer Strider and just the – I don't know about you, T, but I just think that when you have a guy like that in your rotation who shows emotion, because, you know, some pitch, most pitchers are kind of guys kind of reserved to kind of like melancholy, kind of yeah, straight and narrow. <laughs> yeah, indeed. But, but Spencer Strider is not that. He is no. a guy who shows emotion, and he's kind of like a Max Scherzer type guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. we talked about emotion that he showed, you know, on, in the bullpen or in the dugout, excuse me. Uh, in game one and kind of that was that was kind of the, the momentum that you that teams need to get up for these type of games because it's at least the season is so long so I, I think that the Braves got them a nice little dog in them uh sitting up in that bullpen and I just think it's just it's going to benefit them greatly going down the stretch when you have those lows moments because you know these guys are there's some veterans here but mm -hmm. I think that when you have a young pup like Strider doing really well and he's Bringing some of that emotion, I think the Braves got something got something really good in uh, Mr. Folk, the folk hero himself. Yes, yeah, the stash. We always talk about how any of our local teams, who's that dog? Who's going to be that guy that has the edge that gives you a little extra oomph when you need it? And nothing against Max Fried. I mean, if that's your personality to just be melancholy or even keel, do you because it's worked for you? But Spencer Strider just lays it all out there. And I feel like, wow, you know, Ronald Acuna's got some edge to him. That's a good look. And we like this edge that he brings to the table, too, because anytime you have that, and especially to see that the passion and the game, they're actually starting to catch up to one another. Like you said, down the stretch, that is what you love to see. And even now, just to help to be a part of getting them back, the Braves back on track. I love it. I love it. No doubt about it. Speaking of getting back on track, how about the Falcons getting to the quarterback, getting some sacks this year? And I think that Terry Fon – there's no doubt in my mind that Terry Fondo and Arthur Smith and said, you know what, they got with Dean Pease. Like, you know what, we're going to help you out this year, uh, Mr. Pease. Uh, we're going to draft D'Angelo Malone. We're going to draft on Eddie Bicchetti. We're going to bring in Lorenzo Carter. We're going to mm -hmm. bring back Audio Gonzaga, you know, and, and say that fast three times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're going to, you know, expect some 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 rookie, some second-year jumps and some guys um, that, that are put their hands in the dirt and be able to rush the passer. Obviously, 18 sacks is a number that will be forever embedded in our minds until they do better. And I think, though, T, one of the things that I kind of – I think about from last year to this year as far as making that transition and going mm -hmm. into Dean Pease's second year, I believe that with those young guys that I mentioned and with some of those veteran guys coming back and the guys that they brought in, um, I think that – they will be better. I think it's just a matter of how much better will they be as, as they come going into the 2022 season. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think the young guys, because when I was thinking about the question that you had posed on maybe who's going to have the most sacks in 2022, I was like, wow, it's kind of a toss up when we look at the young pups. And then, like you said, got a different uh, thought process on the veterans. But the younger guys, I was like, wow, that could be AK, but that could be Ade. It just really depends on how Dean Pease chooses to use them, who's going to actually get 
the most reps, if you will, or the most snaps, if you will, at that will linebacker position. And that is something that you and I may be able to see some telltale signs in training camp as well as the preseason because I have a sneaking suspicion that Arthur Smith is going to utilize players much more in the preseason to see exactly what he's going to have to work with on week one. So I kind of am interested to see how that particular competition plays because you spoke with Ade earlier a couple of weeks ago when there was open practice at the bins and you talked about, you gave him some scenarios and you talked, you just talked about the fact that his mindset going into this second season speaks volumes. But we also talked to AK about his thought process and how he sees, and he's like chomping at the bit to be able to work in the Dean P's defense. So I look, I think the competition for the Falcons bodes well. It is going to, it's going to be a, a big win. And, I was I got to have one guy that came to mind immediately, and that's Lorenzo Carter. Lorenzo Carter jumped to mind immediately because of the streak that he went on. I think he had five sacks in the last four games um, Mm -hmm. last year for the New York Giants, and I think he's going to continue that. I think he's going to be put in situations to be able to rush the passer um, quite a bit. So um, just from a veteran standpoint, that's the easy answer, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm going to give you a a sleeper. I'm going to give you a name that – most people probably wouldn't pick this guy, but I'm going to go with him because I think he has – it's something in him. I, I, I did my research, T, and I kind of talked to some guys that coached him in high school, and I think D'Angelo Malone. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah, be surprised if D'Angelo Malone becomes the sack leader for this team because he is a guy that he's going to be put in mostly specific situations, meaning mm-hmm. what? All right, Jarvis. Not necessarily being on there in first and second down. He's going to be right. put in there on third and long situations where you know they are going to pass. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you get young guys in, in those type of situations where they don't have to think, I yeah. think that's where those guys are going to be the most productive. And I think he's going to be put in that situation more often than I think Arnold Ebicate. I think Arnold Ebicate is going to get some some first down, first and second down reps because, you know, he's, mm-hmm. a, he's a second round guy. And yeah. I think he has that. He, he's pretty solid against the run as well. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see D'Angelo Malone get that that put into those situations because I think that's my sleeper guy that right. I really feel that more than likely he'll mm-hmm. be uh, he'll be in the conversation for, for the for the sack leader. Now, I'll shock you with a dark horse because we gave our upfront selections for sack leaders from the young guys and from the veterans. Right. And you just gave mm-hmm. a dark horse from our young core. Right. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a dark horse for the Falcons veteran core, Grady Jarrett. And the reason mm-hmm. I say Grady, yes, okay. there you go, because everybody uh-huh. is forgetting that Grady averaged nearly six sacks per season from 2018 to 2020. Last year, okay, fine, it was an off year, but it was also a year where maybe he arguably had the least talent to cast around him, no offense. And I'm talking about that whole defense, right? right. And it was year one under Dean Pease. This is year two. And he has, we agree, better talent overall around him. So I, even if he doesn't end up with the highest total of sacks, I feel like he's going to be right there because the other piece is this. Has Grady not always had a chip on his shoulder and something to prove? Mm-hmm. Grady's not coming. He's not having two subpar years. I don't see it. So that's going to be my dark horse on the veteran side. No doubt about it. Now, speaking of something of people who somebody got something to prove, Jameis Winston probably is the – the picture right there in the diction, Western Dictionary as far as who has to prove something. So we'll go around the NFC South next. We'll talk to our guy, Ross Jackson, part of Locked On Saints, to see 
if Jameis Winston has what it takes to be the starter this year and whether or not the Falcons are going to kick day behind. That's next on Locked On Sports Atlanta. It's ATL Day 1s with Jarvis Atit. Welcome back to ATL Day 1s. I am Tanitra. That is Jarvis. And that guy in the middle is the man, <laughs> the myth, the legend, and my homeboy. <laughs> For now. Right, right, right. Until week one and then we become rivals. But yeah, uh, he is such an amazing part of this Locked On Sports family. So we are excited to have him join us today to talk all things Locked On Saints. So Ross, appreciate you stopping by. And of course, we always say we want five-star reviews wherever you check out our podcast because we bring you five-star guests like Ross. So keep on rocking with us wherever you download your podcast. And listen, we have a lot to get into with Ross. But before we do that, if you guys are looking for an alternative to how you shop for jewelry, Jarvis can tell you how to do that. Let me tell you about BlueNile.com. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Let me tell you all something like Many, many years ago, when I got married, I was struggling. I didn't like going into jewelry stores because you get hounded. You know, people get those commissions, and they try to just beat you upside the head to try to sell your ring. Let me sell your ring. Let me sell your ring. But you don't have to worry about that with Blue Now to Come because they have the simple online tools. Yes, they are part of the 21st century, 2022, y'all. Online shopping is the best way to go. And they let you choose your diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's Bench Jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind, so you won't have to worry about her giving it back to you because you know it's going to be perfect. It's going to be the ring just for her. Now, let me tell you about how Locked On is going to hook you up. They got a special going on just for you. You can make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners. You get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. You know it's going to cost over $500. So that $50 is going to come in handy. All you have to do is use the code locked on. That's the code locked on plus every in the podcast exclusive engagement. Just use the code locked on and then you can shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to bluenow.com today. Yes, indeed, indeed. And you know what, Jarvis, you speak about uniqueness, one of a kind, being special. That is this Falcons-Saints rivalry. We're going to see it come to fruition week one right here in Atlanta. So again, we've got Roz here to talk to you guys, all things Saints. And look, we're going to come right out of the gates asking you the obvious question, Ross, which is, <laughs> okay, Saints seemingly moved on from the whole Taysom Hill at QB experiment, seemingly. And maybe it's Jameis Winston's team, finally. So I want to ask you this. Are you concerned about whether or not the Saints' pass offense can actually bounce back? You know, darn near league low, 51% pass rate, not very like New Orleans to be there. Or are you confident that Winston and that pass game will be fine? Because, hey, hopefully Michael Thomas will be healthy going back into training camp. And you guys have Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave for James to work with. Yeah, they've done a lot of excellent things over the course of this offseason to uh, try to bolster passing attack. And what I'll teacher is that listen it's gonna be better than it was last season because there's no other way to go about it it's the only option they have bottom of the league 32 in the nfl last year when it came to passing yardage but also only 30th in the nfl when it came to passing attempts and even their yards per play was like 26th 
picks in the NFL only about, I think it was 4.7 yards per play. So they are, even the efficiency metrics weren't really there for the Saints offense last year. Um, you know, 30th in the NFL when it came to uh, plays per drive. They just could not get anything really going. So I think that this New Orleans Saints offense, and particularly their passing offense, will be better in 2022. But a lot of it simply has to do with the fact that, like, there's no going down from where they were last year. But, yes, the new cast of characters will certainly help as well. You know, that's one thing that, you know, you, you think about and with Jameis Winston. They also are going to have a new head coach in Dennis mm -hmm. Allen. And we know how Dennis Allen's first go-round at head coach went about in the Oakland Raiders. It didn't go quite that well for those who don't know. Now. I think one of the things that people are assuming is that Dennis Allen is going to take over the head coach and everything's going to be fine. The offense is going to be just like it was with Sean Payton, who I think now this is going to hurt me to say this was probably one of the best play callers in the NFL. Ooh, say that hurts. That hurts my. That hurts my soul. <laughs> that, that hurts my soul to say that. However, I think that is it. Are people making an uh, unfair assumption that everything is going to be okay with Dennis Allen being the head coach of this team? I think that making an assumption of whether or not everything's going to be okay or whether or not everything's going to not be okay is a little premature on either side of the spectrum. But I think that more specifically the thing that I think Saints fans have done a good job keeping sort of perspective about is that things are going to be different, right? Yes, Pete Carmichael is still the offensive coordinator. He was a part of the architecting of that New Orleans Saints offense that we've seen from 2006 to 2009 when he was the offensive coordinator all through last year, 2002. So there's some consistency there, some, there's some cohesion there. But Pete Carmichael is going to do things a little bit differently than Sean Payton did. Dennis Allen is going to do things a little bit differently than Sean Payton did. We saw a an offense in New Orleans last year that was kind of hounded by conservatism a little bit. Back, trying to keep Jameis Winston reeled in, all of that. And I know that there's always going to be a narrative around the 30 interception season back in 2019, but that was also a 5,000-yard passing season with 33 passing touchdowns. So if you're able to blend the aggressiveness but then be able to tame the bad decision-making, then you're in a much better place. But you have to be willing to be aggressive in order to really be able to benefit from that. Dennis Allen has shown that he's extremely aggressive on the defensive side. I think mm -hmm. after a while, they'll look to be more aggressive on the offensive side. Things may not be bad. Things may not be good in New Orleans next year, depending upon how things go with the coaching staff. But the one thing you know for sure is that it will change and it will be different even though they maintain some of the same pieces from the Sean Payton era entering the Dennis Allen era. Yeah and you talk about the defense and some changes along the entire Saints team but particularly we'll talk about defense. The Saints of course lost Marcus Williams but they added Tyron Matthew, they have Marcus May so I want to know from your perspective Ross do you feel like that's an upgrade for the Saints secondary? It's interesting I think it's here, I think it is an upgrade, but it's specific to the Saints scheme. In some schemes and in some situations, a combination like Malcolm Jenkins and Marcus Williams is better than Marcus May and Tyron Matthew. But in the New Orleans Saints scheme, Dennis Allen scheme, which is completely built on the idea of versatility, multiplicity, being able to uh, show one thing post-snap and then win by doing something different, uh, excuse me, show something pre-snap and then win by doing something different post-snap, that type of disguising, having two guys that can do 
everything, right? They can both play deep, Marcus May and Tyron Matthew. You probably want Marcus May playing deep more than Tyron Matthew at this point in their careers. They can both play in the box. They're both downhill hitters. They can both rush the passer. They can both, you know, guard tight ends. They can both work in the slot. There's just so much about what they could do. Then you add in CJ Gardner Johnson into that safety mix Mm -hmm. as well. And all of a sudden you have a very versatile trio that can do just about anything you need them to do on defense. So I do think that the Saints may have upgraded at safety, but it's specific to their scheme and what it is that they asked their safeties to do. It's not going to be true with that same personnel across all 32 teams. Well, they're definitely right. going to make Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter put in some work this, yeah. uh, this season when they come <laughs> to town or when, we, uh, when the Falcons visit there as well. Hey, Ross, one of the things that, you know, it's funny to talk about the secondary because we all know that the secondary and the defensive line kind of go hand in hand. Yep. Outside of Cam Jordan, who – and the hell's gonna rush the pass for the Saints this year? <laughs> I think you're hoping that. <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> um, I, I think you're hoping that Marcus Davenport has another good season from last year. He had nine and a half sacks last season. Mm-hmm. Sort of became the guy that we've been waiting for him to become on that New Orleans Saints defensive line, but also still had some trouble staying on the field. So it's got to be a little bit of a combination of both. It has to be the production, but you also have to have the presence and the availability that meets that same level. So you're gonna need to see a little bit more from Marcus Davenport in terms of his availability but if he can produce at the level that he does he does he produces at key situations he produces deep in drives he produces deep in a game and he produces situationally on third downs fourth downs things like that so that's really really nice for the saints to have but you're going to need a third pass rusher to get involved last year they drafted peyton turner out of houston uh the defensive end that's basically Mm -hmm. I mean, he is the absolute New Orleans Saints prototype. They don't like speed rushers that are going to beat you around the edge. They like power rushers that are going to knock the tackle into the quarterback, like mm-hmm. you've seen Cam Jordan do his entire career. So if Peyton Turner Matt can Ryan get into the mix. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know how it goes. You know, you know, you know. Caleb McGarry, too. Yeah, it happens. Give him a free pass. <laughs> but, you know, if they can get Peyton Turner doing that and producing at that level as well, that's really the other guy you're going to be watching to yeah. hope that it's there. The, the issue with getting generating pressure is going to be on the interior for New Orleans. Who's the guy next to David on Yamada? We'll be watching that during camp. And Ross, the Saints find themselves in a similar situation to the Falcons just in terms of having someone new under center or at least trying to go with someone who's now back under center, whether that's a Mariota or a Ritter on this. And so my question to you guys as the Falcons are looking at what's going to be with their rush game, what's going to be with the Saints run game? We don't know yet what Mark Ingram's suspension time, or excuse me, what Alvin Kamara's suspension time is going to look like, but you do have Mark Ingram back. So the question is, does he have enough left in the tank to really help the Saints leverage their run game in the absence of Kamara? Or is it going to be more like run by committee where you really see Tony Jones and Dwayne Washington get a lot of touches so that the Saints are able to have a solid attack while waiting for Kamara to return? Yeah, I think it's really the latter there, Tadichar. I really do. I think that they're going to be looking at replacing Alvin Kamara with a committee as opposed to looking at replacing him within the committee. You know, they're always going to use more backs than just Alvin Kamara, even when he's in the game. But you're not going to replace all 70% of Alvin Kamara's snaps with Mark Ingram, right? You're going to try to get 40% from Ingram and then another 20 to 30% from Tony Jones Jr. The big question is who's going to be the third person in that committee when Alvin Kamara is going to miss 
games, whenever that happens or if that even happens in 2022. Will it be Dwayne Washington or will it be either another veteran that ends up coming in to work opposite or in addition to Mark Ingram? Saints always bring in veteran running backs during training camp. It's a thing. They're always looking. But there's also undrafted free agent out of Baylor, Abram Smith, who went off for 275 carries, 1,600 yards last year and uh, 12 uh, rushing touchdowns. Can he be somebody that comes in as a promising UDFA but also find his way out to the field with some special teams acumen, which is what's kept Dwayne Washington on the roster? He could be the one, and that would be the most immediate competition at running back behind those other guys that you already know. Ah, sounds intriguing and interesting. And if you guys want these questions answered, well, you know what? You better check out Saints Falcons week one. It's actually going down here uh, in Atlanta. So it should be interesting. And that's when hopefully we'll be able to connect with Ross again and start talking about keys to the game for both of those teams. So thanks again, Ross, for stopping by. And listen, I got to say what's up to you for my guy, Bo Johnson, who's like your number one fan. My guy. We'll be right there day one, week one. And thank you for stopping by ATL Day Ones. And guys, of course, when we come back, we're going to talk about For the Culture and a steal that we knew the Hawks got when they got that guy. But today, it looks like an even better deal than we thought it was. We'll talk about it when we come back. Final segment of ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. We want to say thank you for continuing to rock with us throughout the entire show. And remember, we're available in on every podcast flat platform no, not platform platform <laughs> you know whether it be uh apple it'll be spotify we are wherever you lay your head to listen to um podcasts that's where we are and wherever you go though make sure make sure it's a, a friendly reminder i'm not gonna threaten you like i did earlier uh <laughs> to go leave us a five-star review wherever you download your podcast and we really appreciate you for that now Tanitra, this is the for the culture and it is the intersection between sports entertainment and the culture and sometimes whatever the heck we want to talk about but that's how we get down on this show that's just what we do now we talked about atlanta hawks as far as all the trades that they've made you know and now i know it's only two but you know that's that's a lot and yeah. this roster is going to look considerably different uh, once they get ready to tip off uh, in the fall. So uh, the trade that I think that the the Hawks got the most value, though, is when they traded for DeJounte Murray because we know that the news recently coming out about Donovan Mitchell being made available, and we know that the Jazz are asking for a King's ransom Mm -hmm. in in return for them. How does the DeJounte Murray trade – Look to you now. We know how we felt about when initially, right? You're getting a two-way player. You're getting a guy who can play defense and distribute. You have Trey can be able to play off the ball. All of those benefits now, right? But now with the news of Donovan Mitchell mm-hmm. coming out and the Kings ransom that the Jazz want in return, right? how does that trade look to you now? Yeah, even better, even better. And we were excited about it when we heard about it initially because, hey, who wouldn't take a 20-8 and eight guy if they can get him? Indeed. So look at that, and that's exciting because, like you said, two-way play in that backcourt is critical for the Hawks to be able to compete with the heavy hitters in the East, right? But in addition to that, you talk about assets and the fact that the Hawks really did not have to give away any assets to get DeJounte Murray. So that those pieces, I think, are so critical, and it makes him even more of a bargain than we saw because right now what the Jazz are asking for, and don't get me wrong, the Jazz had come out a couple weeks ago, 
and said that they were interested in shopping Donovan Mitchell, they probably would have gotten a lot more, probably would have commanded those four picks that we've, those four first round picks that we've seen with uh, with some of the, the trades, like a Rudy Gobert situation, right? But ultimately, they're probably still asking for at least three first round picks, and they could be asking for other assets that really you would never want the Hawks to have to give away. So I believe that from the perspective of, yes, you do get a potent shooter in Donovan Mitchell, but... The Hawks are pretty good in terms of offense for the most part. They may have you know, some challenges or maybe some improvements that need to happen in the front court, admittedly. But I do believe that that's going to be taken care of, as, especially because you have the backcourt coming together like it is, coupled with the fact that you've got DeAndre Hunter doing what he's doing. So he's improving offensively. So I believe that overall, this could not have worked out any better for the Hawks. Because remember, there was conversation over and over for weeks and weeks and weeks ad nauseum about Donovan Mitchell and the possibilities of him coming to the Hawks. And although we all liked that because, hey, someone who could compliment what Trey was doing and, you know, they have a good rapport and a good relationship, everybody still had that question mark when they looked in the, on his stat line and saw what the rebound situation was. And it's like, hey, if you can't bring us boards and you can't give opportunities for second chance points to help the backcourt in that category, then kind of what, you know, what it would it where where's the value and the other piece there is this when you think about the assist to turnover ratio DeJounte Murray also has a good assist to turnover ratio so I just think overall it works it works and I'm like kudos Travis Link because man Landry Fields you and that entire front office what you did is looking better and better every you know like it it is it's seemingly it's, it's really cool to see an Atlanta team get over on somebody yeah. because that's that's what it looks like. I know San Antonio have they have a plan and what they're trying to do. They're trying to get younger. Well, they're trying to tank so they they you know they can get that number one overall pick next year so they can re reset hit the reset button on that franchise. We get what they're trying to do, but it's just so cool to see the Hawks to be able to get over on someone. Yeah. And we'll we'll talk about. Adam Silver trying to lower the age to get into the NBA. Are they about to start letting high school freshmen get in there? But before we get there, T, tell them about Coffee AM. Gladly, because you know what? We are still driving in Atlanta traffic, especially me, uh, on the way home, that is. And sometimes, you know, trying to transition from my morning gig to Locked On Sports and ATL Day Ones, it's like, whoo! That early bird special from that morning gig, I just need a little pick-me-up. So this is where something like Coffee AM can actually definitely work for you. So you should check it out. Because again, we always also want to support local businesses. And this is Atlanta-based, a small batch coffee roaster, best in the country. You can check them out. And look, they use current crop, specialty-grade coffee, coffees from all over the world. We're talking organic, fair trade, direct trade expertly crafted blends that you can take advantage of. And oh, did I mention local? Yeah, well, I'll mention it again. Local to the ATL roasting right in your backyard. So you can go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on today. Take a look at their full menu of coffees. And yeah, you know, I love tea. So check out the teas and their gift sets. That's coffeeam.com slash backslash locked on. Use the coupon code locked in because of course you want to get 15% off at checkout, right? Again, coffeeam.com dot com backslash locked on to get the best small batch coffee maker in america 
Y'all don't get your coffee because you know I'm on it every morning. I ain't playing around with y'all folks, man. Like, I, I got my, my coffee AM cup ready <laughs> to go. And it got something in it just in case y'all think it's just a prop. This is the real deal. All right, now, T. Um, Adam Silver is, you know, I hear having some conversations, talking out there in Summer League. You know, he is seemingly pretty adamant about lowering the age uh, on the age limit to get into the NBA. Now, there are a couple of reasons why this this may be the case, right? But I think that the one thing that really stands out to me, the first thing mm -hmm. that comes to mind is college basketball. Oh, yeah. And I okay. think that, you know, this is something that the NCAA may or may not be leaning on him about because they don't want to necessarily have guys that are going to be only in school for like six months. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they go to class for three. So mm -hmm. I, think it's, I think it's just a matter of, so both parties can be happy. I think that this is something that Adam Silver is going to really, really push for. Yeah, and I think when Michelle Roberts was the executive director for the NBA Players Association, it was something that she brought to the table. And they had a lot of dialogue about it. And Adam Silver, you got to give a lot of respect to him for being able to make the pivot. Because like he said, he was against changing it a couple of years ago. But after talking with Michelle and also after looking at the current landscape, like you said, of college basketball, where name, image, and likeness, that's a thing. So, right. yeah, you may have players currently who are looking at, hey, I just want to do this six months and let me get out of here and I'm going to go to the draft. But what if they were potentially able to make as much money through NIL and stay a little bit longer? Now, Houston, you may have a problem because what if that NIL money for the best players is now bumping up against the uh, rookie minimum or even the, the rookie max for mm -hmm. those who are drafted in the lottery? That's when it starts to become a problem. So he admitted, Adam Silver said that was one of the things that definitely made him make a shift. And it's something that will indeed be on the table when there's negotiations for the next collective bargaining agreement. So, and we hope that tomorrow on the table will be, be some conversation about <laughs> the Braves indeed getting back to near the top of the NL East. And we'll also talk about United. United has a critical must win match tonight against Real Salt Lake. Will they get a result? And if they do, will it be in part because Joseph Martinez backs up the words that he had earlier this week? We'll talk about it all on tomorrow's ATL Day Ones. But in the meantime, as always, we ask you guys to stay safe in those ATL streets. Y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs>